There is nothing more terrifying than the idea that someone you love has been replaced by an evil clone. Seriously, nothing more terrifying. It says it right here on the official list that I made. And while some of you lion-hearted individuals might think that's a ridiculous thing to be afraid of, there was a time in human history where this was a commonly held concern. Granted, the replacements weren't always evil, nor were they always clones, but according to legend, they weren't always human either. I'm talking about what's known in folklore as a changeling. Put simply, a changeling is a fairy, elf, or troll that's meant to be a substitute for a human who's been abducted by fairies, elves, or trolls. They've been referenced in shows like Supernatural, which has an entire episode about changelings. My Little Pony actually put their own creative spin on them with their shape-shifting unicorns. And with how much inspiration Neil Gaiman takes from European folklore, I would argue that the artificial world the Beldam created for Coraline is full of changelings. Whenever I've talked about changelings in in the past, it's always been in connection with Irish folklore, but I was fascinated to learn that changelings were seen as a real threat to people all across Europe. Germany, Austria, England, Scotland, Poland, Wales. If your ancestors hailed from Europe, chances are they saw changelings as a real threat but depending on the culture, the details can vary. Details like where changelings come from, how they can be identified, strategies for getting rid of them, and what happens to the abducted children. Some of these countries had very unique takes, which is a nice way of saying downright disturbing. And today we're going through all of them, as well as unpacking some real life cases where individuals were accused of being changelings. First though, while we're on the subject of Irish folklore, I wanna remind you all that we still have some spots open for the Messed Up Origins field trip to Ireland. For those hearing about this for the first time, I'm gonna post a Q&A for you next week where I dive into all the details, but the short version is that thanks to Trova Trip, I, along with a dozen or so of you, are going to the Emerald Isle in June 2024. Local tour guides will be taking us to historical sites like the Ring of Kerry, Rock of Keshel, Adair Village, Cliffs of Mohair, on a kayak excursion through Connemara National Park, and dare I say it again, on a Guinness factory tour where we'll be crushing pints. Last time I talked about the trip, there were 14 spots left. Now there's only six. So if exploring ancient lands that are rich in folklore and history with a bunch of folklore and history History buff sounds appealing to you, consider reserving your spot. I'll put a link to that trip page in the description because that should have all the info you need, but if you've got a specific question in mind, comment it down below and keep an eye out for that Q&A on August 15th. Now, as previously mentioned, belief in changelings spread through the Celtic, Germanic, Nordic, and Slavic countries. And while the details vary, the general idea was that any person, man, woman, or child, could be replaced with a fairy lookalike from the other world. In cases of infant changelings, they were most often abducted through the windows closest to their crib. A fairy, elf, or if you were in Scandinavia, a troll would sneak up to your house in the middle of the night, open the window, and make the exchange either leaving their own offspring or an elderly member of their race in the infant's place. As for adult changelings, they could appear at any time, but their best opportunities came when someone wasn't expected to be seen for a few days. Fairies could nab them while they're traveling alone, then one could slyly sneak back into town while assuming the victim's identity. This was riskier than going the baby route though, because when someone with a reputation and fully fleshed out personality started acting different than how people remembered, then suspicions of changelings changeling shenanigans could arise. That motherfucker back there is not real. 
But what did these fairy lookalikes look like? How could they be identified? Well, since changelings were usually the deformed offspring of otherworld creatures, their physical characteristics were a dead giveaway. They could look sickly or not grow to a normal size. Their teeth might be long, thin, or sharp. They could be hunchbacked, have short limbs, or an extremely long torso. Or they might even have an excessive amount of body hair for their supposedly young age. But there are also instances where changelings bear a strong resemblance to humans with barely perceptible tells. In some cases, parents would swear certain features on their child had suddenly changed. Their nose was a little too long, eyes too wide, or birthmarks and scars would appear where they had never been before. Wasn't your mole on the other side? I have a mole? But observations like these were only so useful. When you consider that the first camera wasn't invented until 1816, and even then it would be a long time before the average household could afford one, there was no way for people living back then to have definitive proof of what anyone looked like. It was all up to your memory, and since the human memory is notoriously unreliable, other tests had to be conducted so you could be sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that the person you suspected really was a changeling. These tests focused on getting the changeling to exhibit a certain behavior. Granted, in some instances, the behavior was already obvious, like the changeling having the appetite of a grown-ass adult despite supposedly being a child, but some changelings were better at blending in than others, and that's where the tests came in. Let's start with the good-spirited fun tests before we make our way into the horrifying painful ones. One of the easiest ways to see if your child was a changeling was simply to leave it alone. If a changeling thinks that no one can see them, they'll usually drop their act and start singing, dancing, or even playing the bagpipes. This is usually what happens in Irish and Scottish folktales about changelings. And interestingly, the person who observes the behavior is almost always a traveling tailor presumably because they worked out of their clients' homes. In these stories, the parent usually leaves the kid in the house knowing that the tailor is there to watch over them, but the changeling forgets about their live-in guest and accidentally drops the act in front of them. Then, when the parent gets home, the tailor pulls them aside and says, that ain't your baby you should probably throw it in the fireplace. Another strategy would be to make the changeling laugh or trick it into speaking by exploiting their oddly specific sense of humor and interests. Curiously, legends from Ireland, England, Wales, Poland, and many other countries all focus on the use of eggshells. Brewing beer inside an eggshell, cooking your family dinner in an eggshell, mixing eggshells into your dinner, or leaving eggshells by the fireplace would surprise the changeling into talking or laughing. There are other nonsensical strategies though, including milking your cow into a tobacco pipe, churning butter in a tinderbox, and cooking random items in the oven like rocks, old shoes, or frogs. Irish legend also says that changelings reveal their evil nature by laughing whenever bad luck falls on the household or when someone mentions God and that they would cry whenever someone in the house has some good luck. What assholes. Now you might be thinking, babies laugh at dumb shit all the time, so why would that be a tell? The thing is, Derek, that changelings don't have cute baby laughs, so doing something absurd like mixing broken eggshells into a stew or using a really long spoon to stir a very small pot could trigger a genuine incredulous guffaw that sounds like it's coming from a century-old denizen of the other world. 
A laugh wasn't always necessary though. In some cases, simply observing your bizarre behavior could cause the changeling to break character and say something like, I was born 100 years ago, and since then, I have never seen the likes of this. Another approach could be to scare the changeling out of character. If you make a comment like, I just heard the old fairy mound is on fire, the changeling will jump up and panic out loud that his wife and child might be dead. After triggering this reaction, the changeling would usually sprint out your front door and your baby would be returned to you, at least if it was kept alive up to that point. But if the uninvited guest tried to play it off like nothing happened, then you'd have to go ECW Extreme Rules on it. I'm talking Jim Ross sitting in the corner of your little commoner hut screaming, With God as my witness, he is broken in half. Because if your other attempts at getting out the truth all fail, then the only option you have left is torture. And as you'll see in the next section, this is something we have documented cases of people really doing to their loved ones. You see, the two most popular methods of interrogation, maybe I shouldn't use the word popular, that makes it sound fun. Let's go with common. The most common methods of interrogation were fire and brute force. When a parent suspected their child of being a changeling, they would beat them with a broom. And if that didn't get the imposter to fess up, they would pick the baby up using a shovel and hold it over a fire. Or if they had an oven, they would put the baby in the oven and just wait. What were they waiting for? Well, if the child was an imposter, they would admit it, then do everything possible to get away from the interrogator, including disappearing up the chimney or vanishing into thin air. If they didn't escape fast, then they risked getting thrown back in the oven or tied up and thrown in the river. But another possibility is that the changeling would be rescued by another member of their race, like their mother or wife, who would return your child and take theirs back. In one Scandinavian story, the one where the mother uses the long spoon to trick the changeling into breaking character, she picks up her broom and starts whacking the changeling with it. But then the troll wife barges into the house holding the human baby and says, look how different we are. I've cherished your son while you've beat my husband black and blue. Every once in a while though, someone would find themselves with an extremely resilient changeling. And no matter how much they were battered, breaded, and baked, they would keep their little fairy lips sealed in the hopes that their torturer would give up trying and accept that this really was their child. But that strategy didn't always work. And sometimes the changeling would die and their secret would go with them to the grave. Now, after hearing that, some of you must be thinking, why? Like, why would a fairy or elf or troll put themselves or their babies at risk of being tortured to death? What are they gaining out of this exchange? It's a great question, but before I dive into it, I want to shout out the sponsor who made this episode possible, Raycon. Let's take a moment to appreciate earbuds. Whether you're trying to study, survive another commute, get in the zone at the gym, or drown out the sound of banshees wailing in the distance, earbuds are an invaluable tool, which is why it's important to have a high quality and reliable pair. See what I did there? And if you've been watching this show for a while, then you know that my brand of choice for years has been Raycon. Not only because of the great sound, but also the fact that their wireless earbuds start at half the price of other premium audio brands without sacrificing any features. The Bluetooth pairing is seamless, their compact design gives you a more comfortable noise isolating fit. And check this out, you can tap the earbuds to toggle between three customizable sound profiles, including noise isolation and awareness mode. They also come in a range of colors so you can pick 
pick the one that matches your style best. So if you want to enjoy some podcasts, audiobooks, or music while on the move, but without breaking the bank or selling your kidney, just go to buyraycon.com solo and use code SOLO15 to get 15% off your Raycon purchase. That's buyraycon.com solo, code SOLO15. So to reiterate, why do fairies, elves, and trolls swap out human babies for their own? Once again, the answer is dependent on the story and the culture that story came from, because multiple explanations have been found in each culture. Like in Ireland, for example, changelings are thought to be deformed evil fairy babies or deformed evil fairy geriatrics, and in both of these cases, they just want a better life. This isn't to say their life in the fairy world is bad though. They're not immigrants coming to another country with only 50 cents in their pocket and an unstoppable work ethic. Changelings, both young and old, literally just want to be coddled. That means being nursed, changed, and tucked in at bedtime. Then, whenever they're left alone is when the fun begins. Singing, dancing, playing instruments, etc. In England, it was the changeling's parents who wanted a better life for their child. Supposedly, they found it more respectable to be raised by humans than by their own kind. But there are also claims that fairy children were ugly, hairy, and annoying. So they chose to swap their babies for humans, which are also annoying, but way cuter. The Scandinavian variants were similar to this, only it was trolls making the swap instead of fairies. Though there are stories where trolls turn the child they abducted into a servant, refuse to let them see the world outside of their realm, and never tell them the truth about where they came from so not quite as wholesome. This was also the case in Ireland, but there were even more sinister forces at work, if you can believe it. In some legends, the fairies gave the human child directly to the devil for him to torture and devour, and then there's occasions where fairies just want revenge against the humans. See, according to Irish belief, fairies, which are known as Ishi, are the descendants of the old gods that were forced to live underground or in the parallel world and they're still pretty bitter about that demotion. So if a person said or did something disrespectful toward the Ishii, then the Ishii would seek revenge, either with petty annoyances, like stoking the flames in the hearth so that your dinner would burn, or straight up stealing your baby. But we're now at the point where the barrel of laughs for this episode has officially been emptied, because while changelings are obviously fictional creatures, the belief in them caused the needless deaths of innocent children all across Europe. So normally, when I talk about ancient gods or creatures from folklore, I like to suspend my disbelief and imagine that these things really existed. That's partially because a lot of the time I'm referring to cultures that aren't my own, so I don't want to disrespect the people who grew up believing these stories by insinuating they were all fake. But the other factor is, when it comes down to it, what do I know? I wasn't there when these stories were shared 50, 100, 200 plus years ago, so maybe there is some truth to them. With that being said, I am not willing to play that game with changelings, because belief in these creatures led to men, women, and a lot of helpless children getting killed. And the last thing I want is one of you to put your baby in the oven, because I made it sound like there's a real chance they're a fairy imposter. Because while belief in changelings was genuine and lasted all the way into the 1900s, it's now believed that the phenomenon changelings were invented to explain was a person going through unexpected physical or mental changes, or simply exhibiting behavior that wasn't typical for the time. Consider some of the deformities that I described changelings having earlier, exceedingly short or long limbs, stretched out torsos, hair on their chest and face, 
long, thin teeth and hunchbacks. A lot of these are symptoms of diseases or developmental disabilities. Spina bifida, cystic fibrosis, Down syndrome, autism, and cerebral palsy are just a few examples. Prior to the 1900s, the average person didn't know these maladies existed, let alone have a cure. So when someone noticed their baby wasn't developing properly and the village doctor didn't know what it was or how to treat it, the parent would be desperate for a way to explain the sudden change. And what do we humans do when we can't explain something with logic and reason? We get spiritual with it thanking or blaming the gods depending on the situation. In the case of changelings, it was the work of evil fairies, elves, trolls, or even the devil himself. And when the person you love most in the world is taken from you, the first thing you're going to do is try to get them back, right? So if that means holding this demon baby over a fire or underwater until it gives up, so be it. That was exactly Anne Roche's attitude in 1826. She was an elderly woman from Kerry, Ireland who claimed to have supernatural insight and healing abilities. And when her four-year-old grandson, Michael Leahy, couldn't stand or speak on his own, she recommended that his parents wash him in the river every morning to put the fairy out of him. The parents did as she said for the next two days with no noticeable changes taking place but on the third straight day of river baths, they held him underwater for too long, possibly out of desperation to cure him, and the boy drowned. Believe it or not, no one in that case was found guilty of murder either, because the whole community had believed that he was a changeling as well, and the jury said that he died from their attempts to cure him, not kill him. The worst part is that when his grandma was first charged with the murder, she told the law that her grandson had already died four years ago meaning that she believed that fairies had replaced him at birth. As mentioned earlier though, changelings aren't limited to children. Any adult acting slightly irregular could be suspect as well. I'm sorry to say that it wasn't uncommon for women going through postpartum to be accused of being a fairy replacement, while their real self had been abducted for the purpose of nursing fairy children. This article called The Changeling, Irish versions of a migratory legend in their international context, quotes one concerned father. I don't know what's wrong with my son unless that he's a real regular pagan. He lies in the bed most of the day and he won't go out till evening and he won't go to mass. And he has a memory for everything he ever heard or read. I never heard the like. Most people forget what they read in a book within one year. So just to reiterate, this guy's son is antisocial, he isn't physically active, he loves reading, and can recite anything that he reads or hears off the top of his head. This dude wasn't a changeling, he was Rain Man, but there was no knowledge of autism at this time, so his father seemed to think that his talents were a curse instead of a gift. We don't know what happened to the guy in this specific case, but I pray to the gods he was permitted to live the life he wanted instead of being hunted down and accused of not even being human. Our next victim wasn't so lucky though. The most famous legal case about an accused changeling took place in Ireland in 1895. The victim's name was Bridget Cleary, and several members of her own family believed that she was replaced by a fairy lookalike. Why did they think that? Well, it turns out that Bridget was sick with bronchitis for several days and just kept getting worse turning into a lethargic, bedridden shell of her former self. Meanwhile, her husband and father just couldn't believe this woman they loved and had known all her life was reduced to this. They sent for a doctor and a priest, but neither were any help. Well, the doctor may have been able to help, but apparently her husband Michael refused to give Bridget her medicine because he had no faith in it. Instead, he opted for an elixir of milk and herbs that he got from a witch doctor. 
and when Bridget refused to drink it, Michael recruited three of her cousins and his neighbor to pin her to the ground while he poured it down her throat. Would you believe that this wasn't the miracle cure? Well, this is just the beginning of Michael Cleary's homegrown fairy clone remedy. Evidently, the man wanted to try his hand at performing exorcisms, so while shoving the herbs down his wife's throat, he asked her, are you Bridget Boland, the wife of Michael Cleary, in the name of God? He asked her this question three times. She answered twice, but refused the third because she already answered it twice. So Michael Cleary wasn't convinced, but he did let her rest for the day. The next day had even more nightmares in store though, starting with Michael dumping a chamber pot onto her, which for those who don't know, is a bucket full of piss and sh yeah, Bridget told him that she could see the police outside her window, and that was his response. I'm pretty sure he thought that urine had some kind of magic power to disrupt the visions these fairies were giving her. Naturally, Bridget is at the end of her rope by now, and clearly so is Michael. She accuses her husband of projecting his mommy issues onto her because his mom actually did go with the fairies, and he responds by preparing one final test. He makes Bridget three pieces of bread and jam and asks her to identify herself three more times. Bridget recited her identification twice and ate two pieces of bread, but this wasn't enough for Michael. In a rage, he threw her to the floor, put his knee on her chest, and tried to force feed her the last piece. We don't know if she ate it or not, but witness testimony states that Michael then picked up a burning stick from the fireplace, held it close to Bridget's face, then he ripped off her clothes so the only thing left was her underdress and doused her in kerosene. It wasn't until Michael had lit his wife on fire that any of the seven people in his house tried to stop him but by then, it was too late. Michael blocked them from reaching Bridget and shouted that he had to burn this old witch to get his wife back. Only when his real wife didn't ride up to the house on a radiant white horse like the legend said she would, Michael buried her body in a shallow grave where it was found a week later. In total, eight people were charged and sentenced for the death of Bridget Cleary, including her husband, who was found guilty of manslaughter and spent the next 15 years in prison. Also sentenced were her four cousins, her father, her mother, and the neighbor, John Dunn, who's been blamed for encouraging Michael to commit this crime by constantly talking to him about fairy lore. And while I do apologize if you found that story hard to listen to, it is the epitome of why changelings were such dangerous creatures. Not because of anything they did, but solely through the actions of the people who believed in them. The scary thing is, the victims of changelings were already victims of another kind, afflicted with developmental disabilities, diseases, and in some cases, even depression. Honestly, I could probably do a whole episode focused on changeling-related crimes, so if that's something you'd be interested in, let me know by dropping a five-star rating on our show and hit me up on social media. Link's in the description. And of course, follow the show so you don't miss that episode if I do one. But on that note, that's just about everything you need to know about changelings. There's a few extra details I could have sprinkled in there, but it would have required disrupting the flow. And besides, that's what your comments are for, right? Picking up my slack and boosting our engagement metrics. I'll speak with you all again next week when I dive into some heavily requested Egyptian mythology. Until then, my name is John Solo, and remember, John shot first. Thank you.